0: Kevin Stroud is an attorney. He says that he spends most of his days parsing the English language in the preparation of contracts, wills, and trust agreements. But that's not his fame, what he's famous for doing. His claim to fame is his podcast called The History of English Podcast, which he began in 2012 and that now has over 160 episodes online. It's an effort to show the development and changes in the English language from its earliest days until more recently. It's a detailed series. Let's simply say that episode 41 finally gets us up to the 10th century. The amazing part of the podcast is its examination of the changes in pronunciation and meaning of words through the centuries. Here is one example relevant to us Episcopalians. Episcopos, the Greek word brought into English, whose pronunciation in English gradually changed through the centuries to bishop, believe it or not. A lot can happen in a thousand years. As for the meaning today, we might say that the word Episcopal, when we hear it, has a slightly different meaning than the word Bishop. Now, if you wanted something more contemporary that's going on these days, look at all those words we have that end in G, as in doing, that becomes doing, and beginning, that becomes beginning. At some point, people will start spelling them the way we pronounce them. And then the words, and most likely their meaning, will have changed. I was reminded of Kevin Stroud's focus on how the meaning of words changes as I read the footnotes that Suzanne Henderson, a professor of religion, wrote in her comments in the Common English Bible regarding this evening's text from the Gospel of Mark. In that passage, Jesus names the love of neighbor as the second great commandment. That commandment is in the book of Leviticus, and it was referenced not only by Jesus, but also in the letter to the Romans, the letter to the Galatians, and the letter of James. References that were being made as Christianity was forming. What Suzanne Henderson wrote in her footnote that I'm about to share with you is a chilling reminder that for all of our talk about the bedrock continuity of the church, the meaning of the word Christians is subject to change. Here is what she wrote. Quote, Early Christians generally thought that one couldn't love God without loving others. As someone who listens carefully to words and desires precision, I was gobsmacked. In describing what it means to be called Christian, she put early in front of Christians and used the past tense thought rather than the current tense think. Early Christians thought that one could not love God without loving others as opposed to her possibly having said that Christians think that one cannot love God without loving others. Apparently, what it means to be a Christian has changed in the intervening 2,000 years. From Christianity's inception until now, Kevin Stroud could have a filled day with a podcast devoted to this change in meaning. In the eyes of so many people today, religious belief has no currency or is seen as being a primarily political thing. I am talking not only about the people we tend to call right wing evangelicals and that word evangelical by itself having been corrupted, but I'm also including doctrinaire liberals as well. Religion used for an ulterior motive is what's generally the case. You know, some days it's a bit embarrassing for me to say that I work for the church. I wonder what people who say, hey, preacher, think about me and my beliefs. From experience, I know that some of them have no interest in asking. And the general opinion about religion these days has led some people to distance themselves from me. Now, as for what I think. Well, I'm now in my 60s. And in my many years, I've had a lot of time to think about what it means to be a Christian, about what is important in life and what's not so important, and why I've devoted so much of my life to religious belief. I have given religion much time and a fair amount of money and some professional abilities that I might have used elsewhere. That commitment has had personal costs. It's becoming clearer to me that what I ultimately desire is to finish this life at peace. At peace both with myself and with others. Peace does not come from selfishness because selfishness says that what we need is always a little more than what we have. A peaceful arrival at the finish line will only come as the result of selflessness. That is, a life lived with compassion. Authentic religion for me is not focused on some future divide between heaven and hell or in the or in overpowering the opposition in the next round of elections, but rather it is focused on loving one's neighbor as one's self to be compassionate. As Jesus said in our lesson, such love ends up putting us not far from the kingdom of God, and that's where I want to be. My faith is not about Jesus and me. I've got no place in my life for a Christianity that divorces the love of God from the love of others. Such a way of existing destroys people and it shatters civilized society. I have infinite space in my life, though, for a Christianity that continues to believe that one cannot love God without loving others. This way to live called Christianity with resurrection at its core belief is about the living body of Christ and our relationship with it. A body that is as large as humanity itself. You know, I'm not really focused on what happens after death. Julian of Norwich is my hero when she simply states that all will be well. <laughs> In looking to the future, I can neither ask for nor promise more nor claim anything more than that assertion. It's as honest a sermon about the future as this preacher can offer. But I remain very focused on the holy city of God, that city about which we sang only minutes ago. If you paid attention to those words, you'd remember that we sang that it's a place where there is no need or pain, where tears are wiped from eyes, but where such lives are hindered by greed for gain made possible by wringing gold from human pain. That wringing of gold from human pain is exactly what a world looks like where there is no compassion where there is one upsmanship, where greed is the name of the game. I do not want to die complicit in such a non-compassionate existence. For me to die that way would indeed be hell. Thus, there is a need to be bound to religious belief and practice. To live with compassion, to be a participant in what it's like for tears to be replaced with joy, for hatred to be replaced with welcoming arms, is our best hope to see the city of God, or as Jesus calls it, the kingdom of God. It can happen no matter what goes on in this broken world around us. For thousands of years, governments, political leaders, and all sorts of messiahs and economic theorists have failed us. And they will continue to do so. Never assume that the arc of the universe keeps bending toward justice. History repeatedly proves otherwise. But we authentically religious people stand in each generation with a different message than that of the secular world. Look at what those early Christians said theologically. Through incarnation and resurrection, or if we want to talk in terms that people on the street might better understand, perhaps we could say through Christmas and Easter, we're making a statement about the holiness of flesh and blood humanity. Love comes down at Christmas. Love rises from death. Love of others. Love of flesh and blood humanity is the way we love God. I want to be near to and a part of that sort of kingdom. And so I'm willing to immerse myself in this religion we call Christianity and I invite everyone else to do so as well. It's a healthy way to live. To put it simply, it's why we go to church. It's where we learn how to love. It's why we cease holding on to our money for dear life. It's how we learn how to love. It's why we do not treat anyone with contempt. Because that's where we learn how to love. It's the reason that the church has called us together in this place at this time. There is no greater agenda for the authentically religious. You see when we finally learned how to love, when we finally learn compassion, we'll be standing on the edge of the kingdom of God just as Jesus assures us. I can think of no other place I'd rather be and no other place I'd rather everyone else be as well. Amen.